welcome to this week's recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us here at Colin Chance House. There isn't always someone here, but leave a message and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. I'm Sally and Ian and Penny are reading with me and Alex is our sound engineer this week. We will be featuring the news from Friday, March the 17th until Thursday, March the 23rd. We will start with some um, general news, um, headline stories, general news from the local area and then um, ending with a bit of sport, some what's on and then the obituaries will be after the closing music uh, for those who wish to hear them. So I'll now pass you over to Penny, who will um, give us the, open the birthday book. Hello. The birthdays for the coming week are on the 27th, Janice, Janet Mitra, the 28th, Barbara Robery, the 1st of April, Eileen Jones, the 1st of April also, Terence Lampett, and on the 2nd of April, John Deakin. And we wish them all a very happy birthday and a great year ahead. And some useful numbers for you. Here in Wilds Lane, our number is 01905 And the police non-emergency number is 101. For the Worcester Hub... It's 01905-765765. And for the Samaritans, 116-123. And for the Malvern Theatres, it is 01684-892277. And for non-emergency helpline, it's 111. And now the thought for the week. And it comes from John, chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. The great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Uh, and now for some uh, items um, for local events. Uh, firstly, there's a notice here from Site Concern Worcestershire. Um, as part of our focus on well-being event, Pete Boyle, sports therapist for New College Worcester, will be taking a session on posture, stretching and relaxation. This session will be accessible to all ages and abilities. This session is on the 24th of April from 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, a new Aspire exhibition is to launch at the Commandery in Worcester on Saturday the 1st of April. The exhibition will be at the Museum in Sidbury and will last until September the 3rd. A spokesperson for the museum said birds, butterflies and angels are taking over for an exhibition filled with hope and aspiration. 
sculptures of winged creatures and beings created by contemporary artist Wayne Warren will find their way in the historic commandery throughout the summer months. Usual admission to the commandery applies with free entry if you have a residence or season pass. No need to book. An indoor car boot sale is due to take place at the Lippard Hub Anchorage Green Warnden Villages, Worcester, on Saturday the 6th of May. Stall holders can set up from 9am and the sale open to shoppers between 10am and noon. Bacon rolls, tea and coffee available from 9.30am. Tables are £10 and must be booked in advance. To book your table, please call in at reception to pay for a table by cash or debit card. For telephone bookings, call 01905 616841. A bereavement cafe meets at the Lippard Hub in Anchorage, Green, Warnden Villages, Worcester. The cafe, run in partnership with St Nicholas Church in Warnden, meets on the second Friday of each month, except August, at 10.30am to noon. All are welcome regardless of whether your loss was recent or a long time ago. The aim of the cafe is to provide a space for people to meet others who have been bereaved, share their experiences and find mutual support. Alongside the cafe, they occasionally run a six-week bereavement journey course. For more information, contact info at lippardhub.co.uk. <coughs> Turning now to Morven Theatres, on Sunday, April the 2nd, there will be a performance of Madame a Butterfly performed by the Dnipro Opera from Ukraine. Uh, this will be at 7pm. Also at Morven Theatres, there's a production of Mrs Warren's Profession by George Bernard Shaw, running from Tuesday the 11th to Saturday the 15th of April. This features Caroline Quentin. Uh, evening performances are at 7.30pm and matinees will be held on Wednesday, Thursday and Saturday at 2.30pm. The box office for Morven Theatres is on 01684 892 277. Turning to the Swan Theatre here in Worcester, the Worcester Operatic and Dramatic Society is presenting The Sound of Music from Tuesday the 18th to Saturday the 22nd of April at 7.15pm and there is a Saturday matinee performance at 2pm. And lastly, there's an exhibition uh, at the Worcester City Art Gallery uh, entitled From the Cornish Coast to the Malvern Hills British Impressionism from the 19th and 20th century. Uh, this uh, can be aided by audio description headsets, which are available free of charge. Thank you. And uh, now we'll move on to the news, starting with the headline on Friday, March the 17th. 
temporary boxing ban. A temporary ban has been put on allowing council buildings to be used to host amateur boxing bouts. The ban was brought in after the death of 26-year-old Dominic Chapman almost 12 months ago. Mr Chapman collapsed in the ring at an ultra-white-collar ultra boxing event at Tramp's nightclub in Angel Place on April the 9th last year and he later died in hospital. After his death, the council opted to temporarily ban white-collar events not affiliated with amateur boxing's governing body, England Boxing, in its own buildings such as the Guildhall and more predominantly used Purdiswell Leisure Centre in Bilford Road until an inquest was held. But now councillors are set to meet again to extend the ban after requests from a semi-professional boxing league not affiliated with England Boxing to host a number of bouts for novice, interim and elite boxers at Purdiswell Leisure Centre. Any boxing or wrestling event with an audience in Worcester requires a licence from the council which could be covered by a premises licence or a one-off temporary event notice. The Council's Policy and Resources Committee will be asked to agree to extend the ban at least until the publication of a coroner's report into the death of Mr Chapman from Droitwich. An inquest into the death is expected to start at Worcestershire Coroner's Court in Stourport on May the 2nd. At the time of Mr Chapman's death, Worcestershire Regulatory Services said the charity boxing event had been held in line with Tramp's premises licence and West Mercia Police said it would not be investigating the death. Nevertheless, bosses at Worcester City Council asked WRS to carry out a health and safety investigation which will also be represented at the inquest in May. England Boxing, the national governing body for almost a thousand amateur boxing clubs across the country, is responsible for the safety and welfare of the members, child protection, DBS checks, as well as the enforcement of rules and regulations. The Police and Resources Committee meets in the Guild Hall from 7pm on March the 21st. And the headline on the weekend edition for March the 18th, 19th, is house up in flames and there is a photo of a fire engine um, in the middle of a street of terraced houses. Neighbours rush to aid of man and child hurt in blaze. The story continues inside the paper with two hurt in house blaze. A man and child were hurt as they fled a fire in a terraced house with neighbours rushing to their aid. Neighbours ran into the streets to help after a home on Burrish Street in Droitwich went up in flames. A man in his 40s was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham with serious injuries, while a child with minor injuries was assessed at the scene by paramedics. Stuart Hughes, who lives just a few doors down from the house, has shared how residents came to the rescue. Everybody looks out for one another, so things like this are a big concern, he said. It was nothing particularly heroic, but myself and a few neighbours made sure that those living either side had come out of their homes. We all know each other down here. It's a big community in the old part of Droitwich. Five Hereford and Worcestershire Fire and Rescue Services crews, two from Worcester, two from Droitwich and one from Bromsgrove, 
and the Incident Command Unit from Wire Forest were called to the scene at 2.58pm on Friday, March the 17th. Mr Hughes scrambled to help when he saw black smoke pouring from the home. He said, I was in my garden when I noticed a smell and you could tell something was a bit different. Then I noticed the smoking getting blacker and blacker. So I scrambled my shoes on and ran up to see what was going on. I got there as quick as I could. I was scared. I did start fearing the worst and thought I might have to run inside to help. Fellow Burrish Street resident Jane Tuck, sorry, June Tuck, added, They say bad things happen to nice people and it couldn't be more true. They are such a lovely family. There was so much black smoke flying into the air. Nothing like this has happened here before. A team of four firefighters wearing breathing apparatus used two hose reel jets to extinguish the flames. Police and ambulance crews were also in attendance. A West Midlands ambulance service spokesperson said, One ambulance and a paramedic officer were sent to the scene where, on arrivals, crews discovered two patients. One man was treated for serious injuries by ambulance crews before being taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital, Birmingham, for further treatment. A child was assessed for minor injuries by medics before being discharged at the scene. The lead story for Monday, March the 20th. <coughs> Cars targeted by masked criminals. A gang of masked criminals is behind a spike in catalytic converter thefts and certain makes of cars are being targeted. Toyota Prius, Honda CRVs and Mazda MX-5s across South Worcestershire, including in Worcester, have fallen prey to the thieves who steal the catalytic converters because of the precious metals they contain. One was taken from a Mazda MX-5 in Greenhill, Evesham in February and on March the 7th one was taken from a Toyota Prius in Bromley Way, Worcester. This shows a reduction from the previous week when there were five thefts of catalytic conversions, it, converters in Worcester alone between February the 24th and 28th. These thefts took place in Barker Street, Beverley Drive, St Anne's Road and Willersley Road and involved a Mazda MX-5, a Toyota Auris, a Toyota Yaris and a Ford Focus. DI Dave Knight of South Worcestershire Proactive CID said, Because of the CCTV footage, we believe they're committed by three masked offenders. The three suspects have used balaclavas to hide their faces. Two similar offences involving a Honda Jazz in Windsor Road, Evesham and a Honda CRV in West Street, Evesham took place on February the 26th and 27th. Two more thefts of catalytic converters involved two Honda Civics in Pershaw, George Lane and Maytree Road. DI Knight has issued advice to reduce people's likelihood of becoming victims. The theft of catalytic converters can leave drivers facing a hefty repair bill, he said. Tips include remaining vigilant and dialing 999 in the event of a theft in progress. 
fitting an alarm system to the catalytic converter, parking the car in a garage if possible. There are also devices which can be installed which make it harder for the catalytic converter to be removed. We are working with scrap metal dealers to make it more difficult for those items to be sold on. However, we are aware some of these catalytic converters are leaving the country en masse. There was a spike a couple of weeks ago, he said. D.I. Knight said the link between the thefts and organised crime groups, OCGs, was being explored by detectives, as well as other lines of inquiry. Catalytic converters contain precious metals, such as platinum, palladium and rhodium, but researchers are working to reduce the amount of precious metals needed in them. And Tuesday the 21st of March, the headline, We Want Our Car Park Back, a private road is labelled a motorway. Frustrated residents have described a private car park as a motorway due to a number of drivers coming into the area hoping to find free spaces. They claim drivers who do not live in the area have been pinching their spaces in a residential car park owned by Platform Housing in Wellington Close off St Paul's Street behind City Walls Road. Drivers are coming into the area to park their cars before heading into the city centre or a nearby gym. However, the car park is private, with a sign which reads Private Parking, Residents and Visitors Only. But Platform Housing said there is not any formal enforcement in the car park. The problem has been ongoing for more than a decade and some residents have even been left with hefty fines for parking in restricted street areas because they can't find a parking space. Alla Sussman, who has lived in the area for 11 years, said The cars are so loud it feels like a motorway. We should have at least one space per house. Some cars come through with loud music and park in the car park late at night. In total, there are about a dozen spaces in the car park and the 45-year-old added, The car park is for residents, but people visiting the city centre or going to the gym use it as a free car park. Monica Terizko, who works night shifts as a healthcare assistant, said, It is private parking and a lot of people go there and work, park their cars and then we don't have a space for our cars. We're very angry when I work night shifts. There is nowhere for me to park when I get home in the morning. And it's very frustrating. Car park is full every day in the morning, afternoon and evening. Some neighbours have to park on the road and they get a ticket because it has a yellow line. It would be good if Platform put a barrier up. It's frustrating and we feel ignored and everybody is frustrated. Claire Greensale, head of loca localities at Platform Housing Group, said, We are sorry to hear of our customers' concerns. There are signs in place stating the parking is for residents only, but there aren't any formal enforcements in place. We are considering the option of engaging a parking enforcement company for car parks such as these. The headline for Wednesday, March the 22nd, is... Bar slammed for sick killer jokes. And there's a large photograph of the courtyard in St Nicholas Street in the centre of Worcester. And there's also pictures of 
Dr. Harold Shipman and Jeffrey Dahmer, who were serial killers used as part of a Facebook promotion for the courtyard in Worcester, part of the mugged-off cocktail bar. The story continues inside and has two screenshots of the promotional... Um, the promotion for the mugged-off cocktail bar. And the wording is, At our mugged-off cocktail bar, we do not tuck you up in bed at the end of the night in the same way as Harold would. Unlike him, even though we will rinse you, we want you to wake up in the morning. And there's a picture of Harold Shipman. And with the picture of serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer, it says, At our mugged-off cocktail bar, our bartenders are bad, but at least they won't slip something to make you drowsy in your whiskey and coke. Coming soon. The story continues. Not bar criticised over serial killer jokes. Notorious serial killers Harold Shipman and Jeffrey Dahmer were featured on a city comedy cocktail bar promotion, sparking anger from some critics. The controversial posts featured on the Courtyard's Facebook page, although they were removed yesterday, Tuesday, and no official complaints have been lodged. Councillor Lynn Denham, who represents Cathedral Ward, said, I don't think criminals should be treated as celebrities. It is in very poor taste to use them to promote sales of alcohol. As the health and well-being lead for Worcester City Council, I am aware of the impact that excessive alcohol consumption can cause to people's health, their loved ones and our NHS services. We need to challenge the culture where getting wasted is fun and murder and rape are regarded as a joking matter. We reported in January on Mugged Off, a new cocktail bar which opened in February at the courtyard in St Nicholas Street in Worcester City Centre. The idea is customers get bantered and abused by staff as part of the experience and the promotions were designed to push comedy boundaries, said the owner. One post featuring a photo of mass murderer Dr Harold Shipman read, which I've read already, at our mugged off cocktail bar we do not tuck you up in bed at the end of the night in the same way as Harold would. Unlike him, even though we would rinse you, we want you to wake up. Another post featuring Dharma read, At our mugged-off cocktail bar, our bartenders are bad, but at least they won't slip something into your drink. Shipman is considered to be one of the most prolific serial killers in modern history, with an estimated 250 victims, hanging himself in January 2004 after serving less than four years of his life sentence. Dharma, known as the Milwaukee Cannibal, and the Milwaukee Monster, killed and dismembered 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Many of his later murders involved necrophilia, cannibalism and the permanent pres preservation of body parts, typically all or part of the skeleton. He was beaten to death at the Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage, Wisconsin on November 28th 1994. Matthew Skilbeck, chairman of Worcestershire Pride, said, Unfortunately, I did not see the post myself, 
However, after working with the venue owner over the past several years with LGBT plus events and pride events, I know that this was not meant to be offensive and he has assured me the post was not approved by him and was removed immediately. The venue and owners are key supporters for the LGBT community and Worcestershire Pride and have in the past been involved with Pride and are sponsors for Pride this year. Worcester City Council confirmed the posters did not fall under the jurisdiction of licensing. Lloyd Cox, owner of the courtyard, said The mugged off cocktail bar idea was always intended to push comedy boundaries to an 18 plus audience. All customers would be made fully aware of this before attending and would be able to make an informed choice on whether to attend or not. We envisioned the bar to be similar to a comedy club feel rather than a raucous degenerate event with no boundaries whatsoever and there would be clear protocols in place. The latest promotional campaign was extremely short. We have only received one complaint and we made changes immediately as a result. No other complaints have been made to us. Despite this, while remaining to, to fiercely defend free speech and all forms of comedy, we had already decided to remove all advertising related to this, even before being approached by Worcester News for comment. We have always been and remain strong supporters of the LB LGBTQ community. We apologise for any offence caused. A spokesperson for the Advertising Standards Authority confirmed no complaints had been received about the adverts. The <coughs> lead story for Thursday, March the 23rd, everything's gone. A homeless man has been left devastated after a fire destroyed all his belongings. The caravan he was living in at a city's recycling firm's premises went up in flames. Terry Gorman, the director of Five Star Recycling, said his brother knew the man, who is in his 30s, and offered him the opportunity to stay at their recycling site on the A4103 in Rushwick. Last night's fire destroyed everything inside the caravan and an appeal has now been launched to raise money to buy him a new home. Mr Gorman said his brother Ricky arranged for the man to be housed in the caravan a few months ago as he was living in a tent. On Tuesday night we had done his laundry and I was giving him a lift back to the site, Mr Gorman said. As we got near we could see the caravan in flames. He was devastated and upset. It is everything he owns completely destroyed. To him it is the same as your home being destroyed by a fire and losing all your possessions. Mr Gorman said he called the fire brigade but by the time they arrived it was too late. Mr Gorman took dramatic pictures and video of the blades which also destroyed two cars near the caravan at the time. It is unclear how the fire started and nobody was hurt in the blaze. Mr Gorman said the locks on the gates to the site had not been tampered with when they arrived, adding it could have just been a freak accident. 
A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester Fire Service said three crews from Worcester, Droitwich and Upton were called out to the fire involving a caravan and two cars. The fire was extinguished using two hose reels and breathing apparatus. There were no casualties. Firefighters left at 8.20pm. Mr Gorman set up fundraising page after the fire and within 12 hours more than £300 had already been raised. Mr Gorman said, I want to thank everybody who has helped and donated already. The main thing is we want to raise money to buy another caravan for him to stay in. We also want to get him some clothes and food. The fundraising page can be found at gofundme.com forward slash f forward slash help hyphen us hyphen find hyphen a hyphen phone home hyphen for hyphen our friend. And now for some general news, starting off with the Mayor's Diary from Councillor Adrian Gregson. It's been an international week. Students from Worcester in Massachusetts and Japan have visited the parlour and been impressed with the Guildhall, a heritage site at the centre of our democracy, and also a working building. And in stormy conditions, we raised the Commonwealth flag and spoke to the Guildhall on the Guildhall steps of the importance of those transitional links. In one day, I went from a small parish church to a huge cavernous abbey without really straying, straying in time, either from their foundation and build or modern time. First, a small, friendly civic service at St Peter's Droitwich, home of the Winslow boy and his brothers, who sailed on the Mayflower. Fascinating, not least, because we have their baptism registers in the hive. Then... Tewkesbury Abbey, a splendid creation, built for thousands of pilgrims, and now, with shrinking worshippers, even more grand and impressive to look at. Well worth a visit to the edge of our county once in the Worcester Diocese. We hosted a thank you event for volunteers who came from all sorts of organisations, including my chosen charity Onside and Seven Arts. I have written before about the impressive network of community volunteers, including parents and carers who keep our city going. From the Mela to the Battle of Worcester, from care and health to litter picks and the Swan Sanctuary, park runs, carnival, allotments, museums, police cadets, all adding life and value. Some are thriving, others in need of support. Volunteering can be helping others, but also it's about helping yourself and enriching your life, staying healthy and having fun. Finally, a huge thanks to the generosity of former players at the Worcester Rugby Football Club. We had a great lunch, met old friends and an occasional funny speech. We were urged to test for prostate cancer and raised a lot of cash for our mayoral charities. Cheers! A peregrine falcon at Worcester Cathedral laid its first egg on Mothering Sunday. Peregrine falcon chicks were born at Worcester Cathedral for the first time in more than a decade in May last year. The falcons have returned this year, with the first egg being laid yesterday on Mothering Sunday. Alongside the return of the falcons, dubbed the Worcester Peregrines, the cathedral has also launched a live stream where you can track the progress of the falcons. 
The cathedral confirmed the exciting news, saying we're so excited to we're so excited to the Worcester Peregrines. We're so excited that the Worcester Peregrines have returned to the cathedral to nest. Yesterday, on Mothering Sunday, the female led the first laid the first egg of the season. We're also really pleased to share a live stream from the nest for the first time. There should be more eggs over the coming days, so do watch this space for all the live updates. Canon Stephen Edwards, Vice Dean at Worcester Cathedral, said, We're so excited that the Worcester Peregrines have returned to the cathedral this year, to the nest that our works team built for them, and where we had four chicks hatch last year. This is wonderful news for the cathedral and the city. Peregrines are a protected species and they tend to favour the high vantage point that the cathedral towers offer over their territory. So we are really pleased to be able to encourage these beautiful birds to nest here at the cathedral to help to strengthen the peregrine population and we hope to remain a safe place for our resident pair to return to nest for years to come. Last year, four chicks hatched in April after a matched, after a mated pair of peregrines nested and were then monitored by a team of experts from the British Trust for Ornithology. According to the RSPB, the peregrine falcon has long, broad, pointed wings and a relatively short tail. It is blue-grey from above with a blackish top of the head and an obvious black moustache that contrasts with its white face. The peregrine falcon's breast is finely barred. It is swift and agile in flight for chasing its prey. To watch the live stream, visit https colon forward slash forward slash www.youtube.com forward slash live forward slash. The Beer Festival is coming back to Worcester this summer after a four-year break caused in part by the pandemic. The popular Worcester Camera Festival is back for its 21st year between Thursday, August the 10th and Saturday, August the 12th. The last festival was held on Pitchcraft, Pitchcroft in 2019 but did not take place in 2020 or 21 after the popular event was cancelled due to COVID. In 2022, the festival did not go ahead due to the Tom Jones concert on Pitchcroft. In total, crowds of 4,500 and 5,000 are expected this year over the whole event. This time, the festival will be at a new location within the Worcester Racecourse Grandstand enclosure still serving over 170 ales, over 100 ciders and perries, plus fruit and grape wines. The ticketing system will be published on the festival website once organisers have sorted out number of tickets and prices per session. Krista Halverson, press spokesman for the festival, said, Our committee have had a long period of time to plan the return of one of the most popular beer festivals in the UK and are really looking forward to welcoming back our loyal patrons for another three days by the River Severn. Organisers are running a competition to come up with a logo for the event. 
This will appear on all advertising, literature and event programmes and it will also be front and centre on the key item for the event, the souvenir glass. The theme of the logo will be celebrating the 75th year of the National Health Service. The winner of the competition will win a pair of tickets to this year's festival, some festival beer or cider tokens, and their logo will play a key part of the event appearing on the festival marketing material, t-shirts and souvenir glass. There will also be two runners-up prizes of a pair of festival tickets. When designing the logo, it is important to take into account the different formats that the logo will be used for, i.e. posters, flyers, beer mats, t-shirts and glasses. To enter, or for more information, email your NHS-themed festival logo design to competition at festival.worcester.camera.org.uk The closing date for the entries is Friday, March the 31st. A dangerous fungus that leads to leaf loss and dead branches on trees is set to be tackled by the City Council. Worcester City Council will begin work to remove diseased and dangerous trees affected by ash dieback on around 5,000 ash trees on City Council land. Ash dieback can cause lesions at the base of the tree while also making it more prone to secondary infections. The tree felling programme will begin in the next few weeks with a large tree next to the access road to Astwood Cemetery being among the first to go. Councillor Andy Stafford, Chairman of Worcester City Council's Environmental Committee said, While it is sad to see the loss of so many trees in the city, it's vital that we deal with the problem of ash dieback as swiftly as possible to prevent spread and save as many trees as we can. In order to try and minimise the impact of ash dieback then, we will need to remove diseased ash trees, but we are confident as we continue in our programme of planting new trees, we can ensure that our wooded areas are the best possible habitats for flora and fauna. We are committed to improving Worcester's environment and making Worcester greener with initiatives such as wildflower meadows and rewilding of grass verges. Our ongoing programme of tree planting and woodland management will help to promote biodiversity and provide habitats for wildlife. It's expected that a significant number of ash trees on City Council land will be lost over the next 10 years. Advice from the Forestry Commission and Forest Research Agency is that diseased ash trees in public spaces should be removed early once infection has been diagnosed to protect public safety. The UK-wide disease will see the trees replaced with a variety of different trees. Several mature ash trees will also be removed in locations such as Diglis Park and Dines Green. Other trees, such as those in Goulevelt Park, are showing clear signs of infection and may also need to be removed. The effect of ash dieback upon the UK is expected to be similar to that of Dutch elm disease that saw millions of trees lost in the 1970s. Residents have been left frustrated when they realised part of their street was being dug up for a second time in a fortnight. Seven Trent Works have closed Hill Street near Stanley Road in Worcester in both directions. The road closed yesterday, so work can be carried out to improve the water system. 
Residents have been left exasperated at another road closure in a short space of time. Tracy Mudway, 54, said, They don't tell us anything and they just turn up. We don't know how long it will be for. It is the second time they have dug it up in the last two weeks and last time it was dug up for four days. Mrs Mudway, who has been living in the area for 17 years, said Seven Trent said the work hasn't affected the water in the morning. She said the water has been OK in the morning, but it does block the road and we have to come down Autumn Terrace and take a detour. I'll have to text my husband to take a detour when he comes back from work. It's a pain. If we know what was going on, it would not be as frustrating. However, not all the residents found it frustrating, including Mary Regina, a nurse, who said, It is what it is. It is annoying for some. She said she understood the work needed to be carried out in the area. It is clearly work that is needed, as no one would be doing it if it wasn't needed. Bogdan Dulalev, 18, said, I don't drive, so the road closure doesn't bother me. My only concern is if the water will be clean. The student said, But I understand if it's necessary, and as long as it's a quick job and doesn't bog down traffic for too long. A Seven Trent spokesperson said, Our team is currently working on Hill Street to make essential improvements to our water network. For the safety of our team and other road users, a road closure will be in place while we complete these works and a diversion is in place. We know that roadworks can be frustrating and we are aiming to have everything completed and the road reopened by Friday. We would like to apologise for any inconvenience while we make this essential upgrade to our network. A free open door cafe is alive with laughter and getting more popular by the week ahead of a big change after Easter. Already an immensely popular event, catering for around 50 people each week, the Open Door Kitchen at St Wollstone's in Cranham Drive, Warnden, began life offering residents a warm, friendly space to meet neighbours and enjoy a free meal. The menu has expanded ever since, including meat and vegetarian options, and now organisers look forward to preparing an enhanced offering of sandwiches and cake for the community. The Saturday Soup is taking place this Saturday between 11.30am and 1pm. It is due to transform into its latest incarnation, the Saturday Cake Stand, on April 15th, offering sandwiches and cake. Previously, it had been a Saturday brunch and continues to evolve with the seasons and to suit the tastes of people making use of the service, which is free to those who make use of it. Councillor Jill DeSera credits the growing success of the event to local people and volunteers and is excited to see what the Easter period will bring. People are queuing to get a seat. There's a real appetite for it and it's a Warnland success story, she said. She added, I've been pleased with the reception I've received for my home-cooked soups and the bar has been set high. Excitingly, some of the local residents will also be showing off their baking skills and I'm so pleased that the people are enjoying being involved. 
St Wollstone's is alive with noise and laughter. People come for the food, yes, but it's also the friendship. The age group is wide, the youngest attendee 18 months and the oldest over 90. The sessions also double as my surgery and there is a quiet space where I talk to residents about their concerns. My thanks go to all the generous sponsors, St Wollstone's, Platform and Sanctuary Housing, along with Citizen, the Blakemore Foundation and Warm Hubs. But most particularly, I would like to thank all the volunteers who turn up and give their time because they believe that this project is achieving something worthy each and every week. Cars were honking their horns and children chiming their bike bells when they passed a radio station's picket line. BBC Hereford and Worcester journalists walked out for 24 hours over proposed cutbacks to local radio programming. Local output at the Worcester Bay station was taken off the air as members of the National Union of Journalists, NUJ, walked out at 11am on Wednesday, March the 15th. Across the 24 hours, the journalists were outside the radio station on Hilton Road holding placards and high-vis vests. Children were spotted chiming their bike bells as they headed off to school with regular listeners joining the group in solidarity. Alistair Binney, journalist and NUJ rep for BBC Hereford and Worcester, said, We have been having loads of support. The number of calls and text messages before the strike was unbelievable. We had listeners come down to speak to us, meet us, shake our hands and have a chat. One person said, this is a lifeline for some of us who are stuck at home for a long time. Another mentioned listening to us in bed with their mother before she died and that that just shows the heart of the local community journalism provides. The action follows the BBC's announcement of plans to axe programmes, shows and merge local radio programming. The plans, if implemented, would see no local programming on BBC Hereford and Worcester at weekends other than the sports coverage. From 2pm on weekdays, one programme would be shared across Shropshire, Telford and Rekin, Staffordshire, South Cheshire and Stoke. From 6pm, one programme would be broadcast across every station in the West Midlands. The industrial action took place on the day Chancellor Jeremy Hunt announced his budget and school teachers also went on strike. The BBC staff, who are members of the National Union of Journalists, are also considering strike action to coincide with May's local elections, the coronation and Eurovision. A BBC spokesman said, Our local plans are about delivering an even better service to communities across England, reflecting how audiences use the BBC, strengthening our online provision and increasing the impact of our journalism. We have consulted extensively with the NUJ over recent months and adapted our plans in response to feedback. We have assured teams working across our 39 BBC local bases that we will maintain overall investment and staffing levels in local services and will work hard to minimise the risk of compulsory redundancies. The co-owner of a new children's play cafe in Worcester City Centre is overwhelmed with the positive response from the parents and children. The Wildling Collective has opened in the former Bottles, Deli and Rotisserie building in Reindeer Court. 
The business is co-owned by Leanne Davis and her partner and former Worcester Warriors player Ashley Beck. Miss Davis said she can't thank everyone enough for supporting the business's opening. She said, we have been totally overwhelmed with the response on our first week and have had the most wonderful and complimentary customers. We hope we can offer these people of Worcester that, that calm play space that children can explore safely while being able to offer great locally produced food and coffee. We can't thank everyone enough for their support that they have shown us so far. It honestly means the world to our little family. The business is described as a modern play cafe set over two floors. It has a ground floor cafe area and a wildling wood on the first floor which get, gets booked out in sessions lasting an, an hour and 45 minutes. The wildling wood consists of equipment such as magic sensory tree, stepping stones, a reading corner, a slide, a rope bridge, a log climber and various other obstacles. Sessions are booked via the Wildling Collective website, with numbers kept smaller for children to enjoy the sessions without them being becoming too busy. Miss Davis also praised the help of several local businesses which helped the Play Cafe to open. She said, We have also found great local businesses that have helped us create our vision. In the cafe, from Bowbrook Bespoke, Archworks, Chalk It Up and Batch 22. In December, we reported that the former Bottles Deli and Rotisserie was covered in the Wildling Collective's branding, featuring the business's logo and the tagline Eat, Play, Gather Together. Prices for sessions cost £8 for a child age one and over and £6 for children who are still crawling. The building, which is in Reindeer Court, was listed for sale in 2022, priced at £375,000 or to let at £30,000 per annum. The hunt is on for artists and creators to take part in Worcestershire Open Studios, a well-loved free annual art event which sees talented creatives open their doors to visitors. The event aims to showcase the diverse range of talent there is across the county. Painting, sculpture, printmaking, jewellery, ceramics, photography, textiles, furniture making and lots more. It returns this year, August the 19th to 28th and is open for entries until April the 23rd for anyone who lives or has a studio in Worcestershire. Gillian Simpson of Worcestershire Open Studios said, For artists and creators, it's an amazing platform to increase their exposure, meet buyers, gain feedback, build experience, and encourages artists to look at how they can develop and sell their artwork. It isn't just about what happens during the 10 days, though. We've seen lots of artists start conversations during open studios that lead to opportunities including commissions, teaching engagements and approaches to participate in other exhibitions. Our website and printed guide do get used as a directory of talent in the county. This year, for the first time, organisers are looking to encourage younger artists to take part by removing some of the barriers 
such as cost of entry and a suitable studio. Artists aged 30 and under will benefit from a reduced registration fee and a system will be in place for artists to seek or offer studio space for the duration of the event to support other artists. For any artists who are interested in taking part and want to know more, there is a drop-in session between 4 to 7pm on March the 31st at the Artery Gallery, Arch 28, Croft Road, Worcester, WR13BD. This will give artists the chance to meet the organisers and some artists who have taken part in previous years to answer any questions they may have. If you'd like to take part, please visit www.worcestershireopenstudios.org. Worcestershire Open Studios was founded in 2015 and is the largest free art event in the county. It is a not-for-profit organisation and is run by organisers Sally Morgan, Richard Nichols and Gillian Simpson. The event is sponsored by Beverly Gallery, which has supported the events since the start. A musical fundraiser by Worcester Ukulele Club raised more than £1,000 for the Disaster Emergency Committee, DEC, Turkey-Syria Earthquake Appeal. The club's buskathon in the city's Crowngate shopping centre involved some 40 players taking turns to play for four hours. Councillor Adrian Gregson, the Mayor of Worcester, visited the players while they were in Bell Square. He picked up a ukulele and joined the strummers for a couple of numbers. The Mayor also thanked the shoppers and passers-by who had generously donated and wished the players good luck with their ongoing fundraising. The group entertained with many well-known hits including favourites from The Beatles and Elvis. They also turned their hands to Spider-Man at the request of three-year-old Reuben Dell, who turned up in his Spider-Man costume and listened to the playing with his grandma, Keth Dell. One of the Buskathon leaders, Trevor Taylor, said, Many thanks to everyone who turned out to support the Big Bell Square Busk for the British Red Cross Turkey-Syria Earthquake Appeal. The weather wasn't quite as cold as it was at our last performance there, but the relative warmth of the air was as nothing compared with the warmth and generosity of the wonderful people of Worcester who gave me a mammoth two-and-a-half-hour cash-counting task. It was well worth the effort, though, because the total was an astounding £1,066.58. What a great result! Apart from the financial reward, it was nice to see that we brought a lot of smiles to a lot of faces and I was also moved by the tearful appreciation of the various Turkish people who passed by and who were so grateful to see that we were raising money to help people in desperate need in the country of their birth. What a great day. Congratulations and thanks to everyone who helped make it so and special thank you to Councillor Adrian Gregson Mayor of Worcester City, who came along to lend his moral and vocal support. A leading city councillor who has been campaigning for a pedestrian crossing on an unsafe road for 20 years says its proposed installation is a price too high. The Henwick Road crossing is one of the conditions city planners have attached to a proposal to demolish St Clement's Church Hall and replace it with a block of 54 flats. The plans have not proved popular, 
with nearly 100 residents meeting to oppose the proposal last summer and dozens lodging objections with Worcester City Council. But planning officers have recommended approval and the plans will go before the Council's planning committee on Thursday, March the 23rd. St John's councillor Richard Udall said he will be speaking at the meeting which will take place at 1.30pm at the Guildhall in opposition to the plans. The suggestion of a pedestrian crossing is good and is something I have been seeking for some time, he said. However, the price to pay for it, this ugly development, is a price too high. Councillor Udall said he has been campaigning for a crossing on that stretch of Henwick Road for more than 20 years. It's an unsafe road and very fast, he said. Many pedestrians struggle to cross safely. It was initially included in the highway improvements for St John's, but was removed at the last minute. It would go anywhere between the junction with Bullring and Bromyard Terrace. Councillor Oodle also invited residents to join him at the planning meeting and said he hopes people power will stop the application going through. Planners are recommending that councillors approve the plans subject to developer New Venture Housing contributing £65,000 towards a zebra crossing suitable for pedestrians and cyclists. Other conditions include the developer paying £7,500 towards signage in Church Walk and £15,000 towards widening a footpath in Grosvenor Walk. Activity on the St Clement's Church Hall site in October triggered worries that work had started prematurely but turned out only to be archaeologists carrying out a site inspection. A number of St John's residents have spoken out against the plans which they fear will cause antisocial behaviour and noise pollution in an area home to many elderly and vulnerable people. The county's MPs have met with ministers to push for the government to end its refusal to pay to train doctors at the region's new medical school. The University of Worcester's Three Counties Medical School in Hilton Road, Worcester, will be opening its doors for the first time in September, but shockingly without any government-funded places, despite a chronic doctor shortage across Worcestershire, Herefordshire and Gloucestershire. The Department for Health and Social Care keeps a strict cap on the number of university medical places it funds and has so far ignored appeals from the region's health trusts and hospitals, as well as Conservative MPs, to stump up the money for students to move and train in Worcester. Health bosses across Worcestershire and Herefordshire, who say they are spending £70 million a year on agency staff because of the lack of doctors, as well as Gloucestershire, have pulled together to put forward the money for 20 domestic students who will start their first year of medical school alongside 28 international students when this will usually pay, be paid for by the government through the Health Education England. Worcester MP Robin Walker alongside fellow county MPs Nigel Huddleston, Harriet Baldwin and Rachel McLean who represent Mid Worcestershire West Worcestershire and Redditch, 
and Sir Bill Wiggin from Herefordshire, Richard Graham and Sir Geoffrey Clifton Brown from Gloucestershire, all met with Health Minister Will Quince to push for the government to start funding places as soon as possible. Millions have already been poured into the new medical school by the government to get it built, but the lack of a single funded space means the building will be opening, having drawn on £1.7 million from the local NHS resources to support students. Mr Walker said, getting funded places for doctors to train locally will be a win for retention and recruitment of much-needed doctors in our area. There are major long-term challenges across the three counties which this medical school will help to meet and I'm proud that the government has already delivered much-needed investment in its facilities. The true benefit of that investment will only be realised once the funded places are confirmed. It is a great credit to our local NHS that every trust is supportive of this and they have put real money into making sure the first cohort of students at the medical school can include local students, but this money should not be having to come from local NHS resources. I will keep pressing the case for funded places, and I'm hopeful that the hotly anticipated long-term workforce plan, something the Chancellor pressed for as Chair of the Health Select Committee, will deliver them. <clears throat> Organisers of the annual celebration of the life and music of Worcestershire's most famous composer are calling on singers to join them this year. The Elgar Festival, which will take place between Tuesday, May the 30th and Sunday, June the 4th this year, is inviting experienced singers to sing Sir Edward Elgar's much-loved work, The Music Makers, in the festival's gala concert on Saturday, June the 3rd at Worcester Cathedral. To take part, singers will need to commit to a number of rehearsals during April and May with chorus master Stephen Shellard. Rehearsals will be held on Saturdays at St Andrew's Methodist Church in Worcester on a number of dates in April and May. There will also be a conductor's rehearsal on Monday, May the 29th and afternoon rehearsals on the day of the concert. To apply, visit elgarfestival.org and click on Join the 2023 Chorus. The deadline date for application is Friday, March 31st. Kenneth Woods, Artistic Director of the Algar Festival, said, It's wonderful to be able to open up this concert and invite talented singers to join us in celebrating this year's theme of We Are the Music Makers. Algar would have been justifiably proud to see so many people enjoying and singing his music. We look forward to it. The festival, which was launched in 2018 as an annual event, was established by decree of Worcester City Council and is traditionally held on the weekend closest to Elgar's birthday, which is the 2nd of June, 1857. Since it began, lauded as Critics' Pick in both The Guardian and The Times, the Elgar for Everyone Festival has doubled in size and scale and championed Sir Edward, to as wide an audience as possible. For a full list of events, costs and booking information, please visit www.elgarfestival.org. 
Police chiefs say they are doing everything they can after a spate of knife attacks brought fear to the city. A terrified 17-year-old said he was punched in the face and chased out of Cripplegate Park in St John's, Worcester, by youths wearing ski masks and armed with knives and an axe on Friday. Richard Udall, St John's City and County Councillor, said, Crime and disorder and the fear of crime is a serious issue. Many people are worried about going out at night and children are being kept away from play areas by parents because of the fear of crime. Patrols have already been stepped up in the park and new tactics are being deployed to steer young people away from a life of violence. Two teenage boys were robbed of their phones in Battenhall Park on Tuesday, February the 14th, after a knife was held to their throats. Two 15-year-old boys were arrested on suspicion of robberies and assault during light night on Wednesday, February the 22nd. As previously reported, a teenager grabbed a man by his throat before stealing his wallet in Hollywell Hill in St John's at about 8pm. About 15 minutes later, teenagers are said to have threatened another man as he withdrew cash from an ATM on Grandstand Road. The pair are also believed to have stolen cash from a third man after they assaulted him in Shrub Hill Retail Park at around 9.20pm. And at around 9.30 to 10pm, the teenagers are alleged to have verbally threatened a group who were also at the retail park. Another man was left ambushed and kicked and kicked in the stomach in St Martin's Quarter on Silver Street near Worcester City Centre. On Saturday, November the 5th last year, a 26-year-old man was threatened with a knife in Cripplegate Park and cash was taken at about 10.40pm. Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion said... As PCC, I know knives are carried in our community too often. Knife crime causes immense harm and its impact tears apart communities. To build a safer West Mercia, I am ensuring West Mercia Police has the resources it needs to robustly enforce the law and tackle knife crime when it happens on our streets. He is funding the award-winning Steer Clear project which helps young people find a different path. Through my actions and investments, I am committed to playing my part to break the devastating cycle of knife crime that has gripped society, he added. The council's fostering service has been rated good by Ofsted inspectors. Inspectors rated Worcestershire Children's First, WCF, fostering agency as good overall based on a five-day inspection in February. Ofsted said Worcestershire Children First, which is run at arm's length on behalf of Worcestershire County Council, had made good progress on upping its required improvement rating since its first ever and most recent inspection in September 2021. Ofsted rated the overall experience of children and young people in the fostering services good, with WCF receiving the same grade for the level at which those same children and young people are helped and protected. However, inspectors were less impressed with managers and the leadership at WCF, 
saying their effectiveness required improvement. Ofsted said it had found that children were happy, settled and felt safe when living with foster carers and children were now improving in areas, particularly at school, where they had struggled in the past. Inspectors also said carers were overwhelmingly positive about the support they received from social workers who would go the extra mile and staff worked well together alongside other professionals to monitor and reduce the risks for the children and responded well to any incidents. However, the fostering service was criticised by Ofsted for not having a registered manager for the last six months, having seen two people appointed into the role only to see them drop out before taking up the position. Inspector said a manager must be put in place before its rating could improve. Tina Russell, Chief Executive for Worcestershire Children First, said, We are delighted that Ofsted has recognised the significant improvements in our fostering service and the positive impact it's having on the children and young people that are cared for. I am proud of the whole service and the leadership team. Ofsted singled out one ambitious member of staff who had taken on an interim lead in managing the fostering service with a stable team of staff and clear vision for the future whose approach was praised by WCF's chief executive. This reflects the hard work and commitment I have seen in practice and I would, would urge anyone thinking of fostering to join us in our Worcestershire family, she said. A lucky reader won a glittering swan ornament after completing a word search competition run by Worcester Cathedral Gift Shop. Miss Phillips visited the shop last week to receive her prize of John the Swan, which will now take pride of place in her hallway. The competition ran in the Worcester News last month, with readers having to find words related to swans in a word search. It was the first time Miss Phillips had won a competition prize and she was thrilled to bits. Cathedral Shop supports the Swan Food Project, established in 2014 to improve the diet and welfare of swans along the River Severn. It's entirely run by volunteers. It is important at this time of year to keep the swans well fed, so Worcester Cathedral stocks bags of swan food in the gift shop. Each bag contains pellets that are full of essential vitamins and minerals, tailored especially for swans. Profits from the bags help to pay for the corn that the swans get fed every tea time. The gift shop also sells lots of swan gifts, including cards, mugs and key rings, along with other locally made products. John the Swan was 17 inches high and 13 inches wide. A former pupil has helped transform a school hall into a state-of-the-art community theatre. Students at Christopher Whitehead Language College performed their production of hit musical We Will Rock You to full audiences earlier this month. The show was the first to take place at the school since before the pandemic and saw the unveiling of the new school theatre. More performing arts facilities are due to open in the summer term. The production of We Will Rock You was the result of months of hard work by Head of Performing Arts, Melanie Dufty, drama teacher. Dan Kent and the Music and Dance Departments 
at Christopher Whitehead. Miss Dufty and the team had already created two drama studios out of existing facilities and were busy working towards the opening of two new dance studios and music classrooms, practice rooms a record and recording studio in their new building. But, kind, but the kindness and community spirit of a former student made much more possible. Jap, Jack Tompkins, who left the St John's School 15 years ago, now runs his own successful building and lighting company. He had started his stage career as a spot operator in drama productions at CWLC when he was 11. Jack got back in touch with Miss Dufty during Covid to offer his voluntary support at the school as he wanted to give something back to the teacher and school that started him on the way to running his own business. He came in to help with We Will Rock You and brought a crew of colleagues, including builders, painters and scaffolders, who gave their time free of charge to transform the school hall. Jack has now donated thousands of pounds worth of equipment, manpower and creative input and the school theatre now stands as an industry standard venue which will be available for community and group bookings along with computerised lighting rig. We Will Rock You is just the start of a new era of performing arts at Christopher Whitehead for both the students that attend the school and the surrounding community, said Miss Dufty. Those that saw the show were bowled over by the talent and professionalism on display. And Christopher Whitehead is a school that can now promise to deliver industry standard teaching and creative opportunities to students who have a passion for the performing arts. A memorial to soldiers who died in a First World War battle which helped to turn the tide is to be unveiled by Worcester's mayor in Belgium. Councillor Adrian Gregson is to visit Belgium next week to unveil the memorial to Worcestershire soldiers who died at the Battle of Gellervelt. He will be joined by representatives from Worcestershire Ambassadors, the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regimental Association and the 1st Battalion, the Mercian Regiment, at the ceremony, which will be held at Gellervelt, Zonnebeek, at 2pm on Friday, March 24th. The memorial, which features the name of the 34 men of the 2nd Battalion, the Worcestershire Regiment, killed at Gellervelt, has been renovated and extended and will be unveiled and rededicated. Later that evening, the Mayor will lay a wreath at the Menin Gate last post ceremony, which is held every evening. The Battle of Gellervelt, after which Worcester's Gellervelt Park is named, took place in October 1914. Around 400 soldiers from the 2nd Battalion of the Worcestershire Regiment fought at Gellervelt. Their counter-attack saved Ypres from capture and the British Army from defeat. Weary from two months of hard fight, marching and fighting, unshaven, unwashed and in torn uniforms but good spirits and with plenty of ammunition, they forced the young and inexperienced German enemy to withdraw and with the few soldiers of the battalion of the South Wales borderers who had been left behind in the retreat, they cleared the area of enemy. 
the heroic success of the 2nd Battalion's counterattack turned the course of the war, helping Allied forces to organise a more substantial defence against the Germans. Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Gregson, said, It is a great honour to be unveiling the renovated memorial commemorating the Battle of Gellervelt and the brave soldiers from the Worcestershire Regiment who died there in a battle which helped turn the tide of the First World War during one of the British Army's darkest hours. The memorial in Gellervelt was privately funded and we felt it needed renovation. The memorial now has two new panels and a brick surround, thanks to funding from the Worcestershire Ambassadors, the Mercian Res Regiment, Worcester City Council and the Worcestershire World War 100 project. Visitors are still banned from a city care home as a sickness bug affects residents. Redhill Care Home on London Road has been closed to visitors for nearly two weeks because of a diarrhoea and vomiting illness. The 90-bed home has been turning away loved ones after the norovirus began to circulate around one of their units. The Topaz unit, which is home to around a third of the residents living at the care home, was cut off from the rest of the home to try and contain the bug. Redhill Care Home said the unit is now clear. However, other cases have now appeared in other units. The norovirus is highly contagious stomach illness, which it can usually take up to 48 hours to clear. However, in some cases, it can become more severe. Redhill Care Home said it would be closed for the remainder of the week to visitors and would open again when residents have recovered. A spokesperson said there have been no more cases in the Topaz unit, but some isolated cases of the bug have occurred in the other units. The entire home will remain closed to visitors as a precaution. A deep clean has been undertaken and the home will reopen as soon as everyone affected has recovered. Matthew Fung, public health consultant at Worcestershire County Council, said Norovirus, also called the winter vomiting bug, is one of the most common stomach bugs in the UK. It's highly contagious and spreads easily. For most norovirus, it is an unpleasant, short-lived illness, but for some it can be more severe. If you catch it, stay home for 48 hours after your symptoms clear. Wash your clothes and bedding at 60 degrees, clean surfaces with bleach-based disinfectants and wash your hands using soap and water regularly as alcohol gel doesn't kill norovirus. Use it or lose it is the no-nonsense message from a councillor ahead of a new pop-up tip being trialled in this Saturday, March the 18th. Councillor Jill Desiro has campaigned for the mobile tips to come to Warnden and Brickfields to stop rubbish being dumped in the street, including mouldy mattresses, sofas, chairs and other waste. The first mobile tip service goes ahead between 8am and noon at the car park in Rodbrook Close, Warnden, in the hope it will help stop fly-tipping. Councillor Desira said, I hope that many people will find these pop-up tips useful. They are here on a trial basis, but I'd love them to become a regular facility in Warnden. People can bring along bulky items, for example furniture or mattresses, clothes, small items of wood and carpet. 
The service does not include electrical items or fridges, freezers, fluorescent tubes, batteries, cooking oil, household and garden, garden chemicals, paint, used engine oil, tyres, textiles, plasterboard, books, foil, TVs and monitors, printer cartridges, hardcore and rubble, mobile phones, tapes and discs. Her hope is the move can restore pride in the community, making Warnden a nice place for people rather than scurrying rodents to inhabit. It is in a new trial scheme she has asked Worcester City Council to bring the tip to residents so they do not have to go to the tip, especially as many may struggle to afford the costs. The Warnden Labour Councillor has reported several instances of fly tipping across her ward. She's reported them to various bodies, including Platform Housing Group and Citizen, and hopes residents will take advantage of the trial scheme. The second will run in Goldsmith Road, near Wheelwright Close, on Saturday, April the 8th. It comes as fly-tipped rubbish continues to be dumped in various parts of Warnden. We reported in January how rubbish was dumped in Selsey Close, Chedworth Drive, Sirencester Close, Kroll Court and Wheelwright Close. Councillor Desiree said, Fly-tipping in certain parts of Warnden is a problem. Some of this comes from outside the area, as unscrupulous tradespeople dump their waste illegally alongside other tipped rubbish. Sometimes it comes from a genuine misunderstanding that the city council run regular that the city council run regular free collection services. Uh, we're now going to conclude the reading of general articles with three sport-related features. Worcester Raiders' recent winning run came to an end on Saturday as Brimscombe and Thrupp claimed a point in a 1-1 draw. Raiders went into the contest on the back of four straight victories in the Hellenic League Premier, but found themselves behind on Saturday after Thomas Black's cross beat everyone to nestle in the bottom corner. Raiders' Bailey Fuller maintained his recent good form to bring the visitors level just after the break, but a mixture of the woodwork and in an inspired display from Brimmy's keeper, Gavin Jones, claimed a point for the hosts. Carl Gormley's side should have taken the lead early on, but Jordan Murphy couldn't direct a free header past Jones as the keeper turned it around the post and Raiders were punished only four minutes afterwards as Black's cross was missed by everyone, including Ryan Young in goal, and fell into the bottom right corner, a scoreline which should have been doubled in two minutes, but on, on but for the ball to be fired over. Despite what was a spell of pressure for the home side, looking to double their advantage, Raiders grew into the affair, and were again denied by Jones as he prevented Murphy for a second time using his feet to keep the striker's effort out. Raiders were knocking on the door, but Jones would make a third top save of the first fist half, this time stopping a fierce drive from Isaac Cooper to keep his side's lead heading into the break. 
Having done everything to get their goal, Raiders finally found a way past Jones in the 48th minute. Great work down the left from Fuller put himself into space before cutting inside and firing the ball into the right-hand corner. Raiders looked the side most likely to snatch all three points after the goal, including a flurry of corners, and on the 76th minute, substitute Shea Willock headed onto the bar as the away side came within inches of going ahead. That to be proved to be the first of two times in 11 minutes that the woodwork would frustrate Raiders as three minutes from the end Murphy caught Jones off his line with a lob but the keeper was equal to it to touch it onto the bar. The final whistle went and the points were shared as Raiders were left thinking what might have been but the result maintains their unbeaten run stretching it to five in the league and will look to return to winning ways as they faced Westfields at six ways next Saturday. A promising teenage cricket star has committed his future to Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Worcestershire spinner Josh Baker has signed a new three-year contract with the club, hoping he continues to produce the promising performances he has shown since breaking into the first team consistently at New Road. The 19-year-old had one year remaining on his deal and has now put pen to paper on a contract until the end of the 2025 season. He said it's great to sign the new contract and it's very positive. Having that security to kick on with my career is very encouraging and it means I can focus on my cricket. Hopefully continue to progress with my career and help Worcestershire to enjoy success during these next three years. I can't wait to get going now. A lot of cricket is coming up and I'm looking forward to performing for Worcestershire. I've played a lot of cricket, which I've enjoyed. As a cricketer, I want to stay in the team and that's my goal. I've put in performances at some stages, at other times maybe not, and that's what I'm trying to work on, consistency of performances. The Academy product broke into the first team in July 2021 and played 15 LV Insurance County Championship matches in the following 12 months. The slow left-arm spinner has also experienced playing in the one-day cup and vitality blast before suffering a stress reaction to his, in his lower back, but he's now fully fit for the new season. Baker, who has taken 35 first-class wickets and achieved his best bowling figures to date, a 4-51 against Leicestershire at Grace Road in the opening match last season. He hit his career-best score of 61, not out versus Middlesex at Lords in September 2021 and he was also selected for the England under 19s tour of Sri Lanka in November and December 2021 and a travelling reserve for the 2022 ICC under 19 World Cup in the West Indies. Baker added it's getting an England Lions call, call up is my aim definitely and further as well but Lions at the minute and I've got my eye on it. Josh and Jack did very well, which is good to see, and I want to emulate what they've done. So that is the end of our recording for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, the obituaries will follow the music. So it just remains for us all to say, keep safe, and until next time, goodbye. 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 Uh, and now for the obituaries. June Dyer, on 3rd of March, 
June passed away peacefully at home. Inquiries to A.E. Bennett and Sons, Stratford-on-Avon. John Turner sadly passed away on 28th of February. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 24th of March at 11.30. Dennis Moxham sadly passed away on the 23rd of January. A funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 20th of March at 11.30. David Burston sadly passed away on the 26th of February. A funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 21st of March at 2.30. Family flowers only if desired. Donations can be made to the Royal British Legion, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Worcester. Charles Norman Rogers sadly passed away on Monday the 6th of February. Service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 30th of March at 11.30. Family flowers only, but donations if desired to St Richard's and Air Ambulance may be left in the donation box. Dorothy Ann Robinson died March the 11th. Service of Remembrance to be held Wednesday 22nd of March at 11am at St Peter's Church, Droitwich. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries to George Crump and Son. Derek George Grubb passed away peacefully on 7th of March. The funeral service will take place at St Leonard's Church, Cothridge, on Monday 27th March at 2pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Cothridge Church or Nightwick RBL. Any cheques payable either to Cothridge PCC or the Royal British Legion, Nightwick and District Branch, please. These may be left at the church or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. David John Bibby Denny died peacefully at home on Saturday the 4th of March. David's memorial service will take place, place at St Peter's Church, Markley on Thursday 13th of April at 11.30am. Donations to the Royal British Legion may be left at the service or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester. Cesaria Fleming, known as Sissy, peacefully passed away at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on Saturday the 4th of March 2023, aged 99 years. The funeral would take place on Thursday the 6th of April 2023 at Worcester Crematorium at 1.45pm. Please wear something lilac. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, can be sent to Dementia UK or left in donation box provided. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, St John's. And we send our best wishes and prayers to the family and friends recently bereaved at this very difficult time. 